Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I've got Ashvin on the phone. I'm Brian. And today we're talking about Annihilation from 2018, directed by Alex Garland, with a screenplay by Alex Garland based on the 2014 novel by Jeff Vandermeer, starring Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Leigh, Tessa Thompson, and Oscar Isaac. This movie is about a team of scientists who are sent on a covert mission to investigate a deadly and mysterious phenomenon known as the Shimmer. And this one is a listener request from our buddy Tim. It's a bit of a consolation prize, Tim, after you requested Black Mirror Bandersnatch, and we decided that would be too hard to talk about. <laughs> so, hey, is there is there a chance uh, Tim has us confused with like a sci-fi uh, club? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think probably maybe Tim just doesn't watch that many horror movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, likes to hear us talk. I think so, yeah. Because, yeah, Bandersnatch and Black Mirror, I mean, that, that's all, like, so sci-fi. But, uh, you know, more and more I feel like the lines are getting blurred. Uh, so it's it's a, it's a fair mix-up. Yeah, I've, I'm almost, like, kind of sick of the cultural conversation. Like, is it horror? Is it a thriller? <laughs> is it sci-fi? Like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, this this movie has, like, a skeletal bear monster ripping out a woman's jaw, so... I, I think you can call something like that horror. Yeah, I think you're right. This is a sci-fi horror movie. It's kind of a psychological horror as well, maybe. It's mm-hmm. a little trippy. Yeah, yep. Yeah, sci-fi, pretty trippy. Um, monster, would you put it? Call, call it a monster movie at all? Hmm, sure, why not? Uh, I mean, the, the creepiest parts... Uh, maybe the most suspenseful parts of this movie come from monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As, as mentioned, there's a bear monster. The bear monster, yeah, and uh, alligator monster. Yeah, I, I thought similar vibes to maybe like in Aliens. I mean, I know Alien uh, and Aliens; those those kind of get grouped as uh, sci-fi horror, and uh, I, I don't know, maybe something along the lines of that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, did you see Alex Garland's Ex Machina? I did. Yeah, I love that one. Did you see that? I yeah, that movie is amazing. Yeah. So I had high hopes for this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I didn't realize just like how prominent of a director and story writer Alex Garland is. I mean, have you read The Beach or like any of his his stuff or seen like 28 Days? I mean, you've seen 28 Days Later, right? Yeah, yeah. He wrote the screenplay for 28 Days Later. That's an original screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I I didn't realize... (laughs) There's just, the more we do this, there are so many names in Hollywood that are not big names that are, like, just silently making great shit. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm sure plenty of film buffs are like, uh, yeah, hello, it's Alex Garland, but <laughs> that was not a household name to me. Yeah, yeah, no, me neither. But, I, but yeah, he's been behind, like, so many great movies that we like. And, yeah, so, speaking of, of so he has some books and stuff, too, you said? Yeah, he wrote a book called The Beach, and I, I remember that. I think that's the only book uh, that I read by him. Um, okay, that and, was and, kind of a popular book, wasn't it? Yeah, they turned it into a movie, and it had uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in it. So yeah, I think the, the book was did pretty well. All right. Um, speaking of books, this is based on a book that is part of a trilogy. Um, it's called the Southern Reach trilogy, and Paramount bought the rights to the entire trilogy. So. This could be the first of three movies, or even more, because lately it's the thing to do to make the last one into two movies. 
but it did not do well at the box office. This movie. Yeah, I saw that. As it even, it didn't even make back its uh, its budget, right? No, the budget. I saw the budget listed anywhere from forty to fifty-five million, mm-hmm. and the box office was forty-three million. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, it's considered one of the biggest bombs of twenty eighteen. Even though this movie is really well respected. Yeah, I know. Rating ratings and all are pretty good, but um, yeah, that that's just crazy that it didn't perform. Especially because I mean, you watch it, and it feels like kind of a big budget movie as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I think some of this could have been there was some some disagreements between some bigwigs at Paramount, and they ended up deciding to release the movie on Netflix like three weeks after it came out in the theaters. Yeah. And they didn't even do... The only release theatrically they did was in U.S., Canada, and China. And every other country, or most other countries, just got this Netflix release. Yeah. So that could be a reason for the low box office number. I think somebody at Paramount got cold feet because it didn't initially test well with audiences or or they were worried that something so heady wouldn't do well. Yeah. Looks like they're right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So apparently Netflix agreed to pay for half the budget. Yeah. Um, So that's, let's say that's, let's say it's a 50 million budget. Netflix paid them 25 million and they made what, $43 million at the box office, but they only get to keep half of that. So, uh-huh. yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't seem like it, it will have made its money back. Maybe on the back end with DVD, Blu-ray type stuff, it'll, it'll get in the black, but kind, yeah. of, kind of ouch. It, it is an ouch. Yeah, you're right. I, I do think it's like it is one of those movies that are, are too smart to be appreciated on, um, you know, the, on the big screen for like a wide audience. But I, I kind of feel like it, in years from now, like it'll get garner like enough of a cult status. It's interesting that um, do you ever see the movie Arrival? Oh, yeah, I love that one. Wouldn't you say these movies are like kind of similar? I mean, they both start with an A. Um, they both have like a strong female lead. Uh, they kind of came out like around the same time. It took me a second to register that. You, they both start with an A. Continue, <laughs> yeah. continue. Yeah, they, they both have like a, a strong female lead who's like, you know, trying to def- decipher something or like that's, you know, from, from space. Um, I, I don't know. They, they seem, and so I, I watched this uh, last night on Hulu and it was even seeing at the bottom like next up Arrival and it's like, wow, you know, these are very similar movies. And I actually think Arrival did pretty well, didn't it? I, Arrival did do well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm surprised Annihilation, um, yeah, didn't didn't get that huge draw, but I, I think it's going to pan out over time. It'll be interesting because a lot of people are saying this is a very smart movie, and we'll talk about this at the end. I don't know if I felt that it was that smart. <laughs> yeah, you felt it was like more like a 3.0 GPA, not, not a 4.0. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Straight Bs. Um, maybe just the the college prep class instead of the <laughs> honors class. Yeah, none of that AP level shit. Or AC, that's what, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it had an 87% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 66% audience. So, again, it, some audience people, audience people, <laughs> the average moviegoer may not be crazy about this movie. Yeah. But film buffs seem to really like it. Critics really like it. Barack mm-hmm. Obama called it one of his favorite films of 2018. Yeah. He's smart. Yeah, yes. <laughs> if that counts for anything, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't see a ton of crazy, interesting background info on this movie. How about you? Uh, no, I mean it's it's got a really cool cast. I mean, you got Nicole Kidman. I mean, she's she's such a big and, and I feel like the biggest horror thing that she did before this was Black Swan, um, which I, I think you know was really good. But is there any other horror films that you could think of that she's been in? Uh, Eyes Wide Shut could be oh, a little horror. Uh, sorry, Nicole Portman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Natalie. Yeah, Ford. you call her you call her Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Yeah, Natalie Portman. I mean, Black Swan. I think was one of the we mentioned in the Get Out episode. One of only six horror films to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, she's not too heavy in horror. Yeah. Yep. And 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 I love the guy Oscar. He he Oscar Isaac. He was also in X X Machina. So pretty cool to see him again. Yeah. He has like a doppelganger who's on um oh that show with that. Girl, new girl. You ever seen that show? Oh, um, I have the one with Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, one of the actors on there looks exactly like Oscar Isaac to me. Oh, no kidding, really. Um, every time I see Isaac, I I, I never uh, I I never recognize Oscar. Like he was he was just looks different in every role I see him in. So I kind of feel like he's like this amorphous person that just looks different every time. Interesting. I like, feel like he's got a pretty distinct look. Really, you think you'd pick him out in a crowd? Yeah, especially if he was in his apocalypse makeup. <laughs> oh yeah, he was apocalypse. <laughs> oh man, that was, that was a little disappointing. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I yeah, Jennifer Jason Lee is kind of a big name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Frances McDormand was considered for her role. Oh wow, that would have been very different. Yeah, like, I would have liked to have seen that actually. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, Oh, yeah, ahead. and and Gina. I don't, I don't. I don't have anything. I'm just. I'm making noise. What do you got? Oh, Gina Rodriguez. Uh, she's from Chicago. She was in Jane the Virgin. Um, that's all that all I know of her. Cool. Yep. Uh, yeah. Northeast Ohio connection. Uh, so Natalie Portman famously went to Harvard. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? Yep. Do you know where Nicole Kidman went to college? <laughs> I imagine somewhere in Australia, but. <laughs> Uh, Continue. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Natalie Portman's parents met at the Ohio State University. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I think I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, nice. your alma mater. Yeah, yeah. Wow, good for them. Yeah. Uh, and and they they went to school there, or were they just hanging out at Ohio State University? Yeah, they went to school there. Okay, I think they were both in med school there. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. I think they met at the like Jewish, the school's Jewish center. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, anything else before we head into the uh, plot and do some spoiling? Uh, that's all I got. Okay, cool. Well, can you hold on one second? I think I hear my wife calling me, so I'm, I'm gonna take a quick break here. Uh, all right. Cool. Uh, I'll be right back. Okay, man, I'm back. Great. Everything okay? Um, I think it's, it turns out that wasn't my wife. It was actually a bear in the house with my wife's voice. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was the bear saying? Oh, apparently there was some old gross food in the refrigerator that the bear wanted me to take to the trash because it would have made her <laughs> gag. So nice. things are pretty different, but not that different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, okay, man. So this movie is about Lena, Natalie Portman, who is a biology professor and an ex-soldier mourning the loss of her husband, who was sent on a covert military mission a year ago and was never heard from again. So we open with Lena giving a biology lecture on cells replicating ad infinium. I think she's talking about cancer cells even. Yeah, I think so. So she goes on this monologue about one cell divides into two, two to four, four to eight. Uh, And hint, hint, that... That kind of sets up the theme mm-hmm. of the movie a little bit. Um, so later on, to Lena's surprise, pretty quickly in the movie, her husband, Kane, returns. That's Oscar Isaac. Um, but he doesn't seem quite himself, and he has no memory of where he was. And they're sitting down at the kitchen table having this talk. She's trying to get info out of them, out of him, and all of a sudden he like starts coughing up blood. So she calls 911. They're both in an ambulance that's rushing to the hospital, and the ambulance is intercepted um, by all these police cars, presumably police, but, you know, in reality, it's a secret agency. Um, and by the way, this whole story is framed by um, a scene where Lena is being interviewed in this clean room by a man in a hazmat suit. So it's kind of like an interview taking place after the events of the film, and she's she's not narrating, but that's the framing story. Yeah, it's kind of like that's like happening in present day, and the rest of the movie is like a look back at like what led up to that moment. Correct. Yeah. Um, so now they're in this mysterious high tech facility. Kane is dying, and Lena is being interviewed by a psychologist played by Jennifer Jason Lee. And Jennifer Jason Lee is like super cold and emotionless. <laughs> I feel yeah. like she took a page from uh, David Cronenberg's book in Nightbreed. Uh huh. <laughs> Just like. Just like a week. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I I had some issues with her performance, which we'll talk about more. Yeah, I know. Like but, as a psychologist, like uh, she, she's yeah, you, you wouldn't really expect someone like that to be a psychologist. Yeah, she's just robotic. Yeah. Um. So anyway, in this interview, she learns that her husband, the covert mission was that he was sent into something called the Shimmer, which is essentially just this glistening orb of unknown origin that encompasses a few hundred acres of land somewhere on Earth. I don't remember if they say where. I don't think Kane is the only one sent in who ever gets out alive. So everybody who's been in there so far is MIA or dead or whatever. And they're about to send in their first non-military team. Jennifer Jason Lee is included in this team. She's going in. And Lena decides to join um, because she feels like she owes it to her husband to go in there. And she's a biology professor, so she could be useful to figure out what the hell's going on in there. Um, And through flashbacks, we later learn that she cheated on her husband while he was gone. Um... And this might be why she feels she owes it to him to go in there. So this team is all women, 
And they make a point of saying it's the first all-women team to go in there and that they decided to send all women in there, and they never really say why. Did you understand that? No. I, I, I just got the impression they're trying something different because, um, yeah, but up until that point, they'd been sending in, I guess, like the army and like a, you know maybe gr- big groups of men or something. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know much more about like why they picked this group. Okay. And it did seem, I can't remember what all their professions were, but it did seem quite a few of them had like a scientific background. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're in there and one of them deduces based on what they see in there, which we'll get to, that the shimmer scrambles all information that comes in or out of it. They kind of deduce that based on their radios and signals from their equipment. It reflects light, radio waves scrambles communications and it creates and it scrambles DNA they're theorizing yeah by like mixing and scrambling DNA and some of the evidence is this of this is like a giant alligator that they encounter with teeth like a shark there are plants just growing out of control some of them grow into the shape of humans which is a pretty cool image yeah that's pretty neat uh there are twin animals who move in unison and there's this bear monster <laughs> Um, and one of the freakiest parts of the movie is when this bear monster kills one of the women and then later on when they encounter the bear monster again, it has taken like the woman's voice. Yeah. Like its roars are also have like a woman's scream in the background. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's kind of crazy. It could have been really stupid, but it was, it was pretty creepy. Yeah. I mean, that whole scene, I mean, they, they're like in this house, uh, in this remote house and this bear's like kind of walking around and every time it opens its mouth, you just hear this like woman screaming. That's, that's pretty, pretty frightening. Yeah. And I didn't notice this in the movie, but I was looking at pictures of the, of the bear after the fact. And apparently it has like a human skull, like growing out of the side of its skull. Oh yeah. Its face did look really messed up. That's yeah, so I don't know if that was her skull and it's like taken her DNA and so has part of her voice and right. part of her body. Yeah. That's um, pretty I th- gnarly. I thought the the other creepy thing that they showed was like they find that video camera of the team that had come in before them and uh, it showed like her husband was in there and like they were stabbing uh, this one guy's stomach open. When they opened it, like you could see inside of him there was like this snake or big worm thing going around his intestines. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty pretty creepy. Yeah. Um, and then later they find that guy's body, and he's, like, he's, like, spread out across this wall, and he's just, like, crazily mutated with all kinds of colorful fungus or lichen yeah. growing out of his skeleton and corpse. Um, so this movie excels at some creepy and strange imagery. Mm-hmm, for sure. That's one of my favorite thing about it. Yeah. Um. So somewhere along the way, the team realizes that the Shimmer is changing their bodies. Uh, Lena looks at some of their blood under a microscope and notices that the cells are dividing into new forms. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're kind of starting to figure out, like we said, that the Shimmer is scrambling DNA and, and they're being affected by it. So things aren't looking good. <laughs> um, after a while, characters are dropping off. One of them's killed by the bear. One of them decides she doesn't want to, like, get killed and become part of a bear or whatever freaky is going to happen to her DNA when she dies in here or if something kills her. So she kills herself, it's implied. I think she turns into, like, a plant, right? 
Yeah, I I kind of miss this. So how do, can you explain that to me? Um, well, I, I think so. Uh, she's talking about, you know, she saw how that one of her friends um, or one of the other people got eaten by that bear. And now all that's left of her is that scream. And she's like, you know, I don't want to go down fighting it. So I don't want to try to beat it. I'm just going to accept it. And you can see like her skin's kind of starting to turn into like some sprouts are like starting to come up from her skin. So she kind of walks past, uh, you know, some trees and like disappears behind some trees. And Natalie Portman chases after her. And when she comes to the other side, she sees uh, a number of, um, I think what you were referring to, uh, like trees that look like people. And I, I think I assumed that one of those, like she had turned into one of those. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. So she wanted to be a tree person. Do you think she killed herself or just uh, wandered into the woods and I, it I, happened on its own? Yeah, I think she just walked in the woods and like let it happen to her and just kind of turned into huh. her to it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that, that, that was like her whole approach is like, I'm just going to let it take over me. Gotcha. Um, okay. So at this point, Lena is pretty much the only one left. The psychologist, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, has gone on ahead to the lighthouse, which they assume is the center or the source of the shimmer. And you don't really know if she's made it or if she's dead or what, but all we're left with is Lena. She goes into the lighthouse, and inside she finds a burnt skeleton sitting cross-legged on the floor in front of a camera. She turns on the camera, and it's a video of Kane, her husband, telling the cameraman to find Lena uh, if he makes it out, and then he incinerates himself with a phosphorus grenade. He's dead, burnt to a crisp, but then the cameraman steps into view, and it's also Kane. So kind of trippy, and you kind of deduce that something's going on with DNA, and maybe he was cloned in the shimmer. And I think you realize that the guy who showed up in the beginning, the Kane you saw in the beginning now, uh, was this, like, other Kane, right? Right, yeah, they don't make it super obvious, but you can kind of, you can piece it together because, yeah, that was Kane. That was her husband killing himself. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this hole in the wall in the side of the lighthouse, which leads to some blackened tunnel, and everything just kind of looks blackened and weird in this this area. She goes in and finds Dr. Ventress, Jennifer Jason Lee, and Dr. Ventress is sitting in there talking about how there's something inside of her. She doesn't know what it wants. And she starts, like, shooting out shimmering light out of her mouth. And eventually she just dissolves into this shimmering cloud. And the entity that she becomes sucks a drop of blood from Lena's face. And then this, like, shimmering cloud, after sucking in the blood, turns itself into a human shape. And then this humanoid starts mirroring Lena's movements uh, and morphs into Lena. And then they get into this pretty cool, it's like a well-choreographed fight scene where they're mirroring each other, but they're also kind of fighting each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. And Lena ends up besting it by tricking it into holding a phosphorus grenade and pulling the pin out as Lena runs out of the lighthouse. And, and even in that that fight scene, I mean, it, uh, and, and I think this is one thing that the movie does a really good job of showing is uh, the, the the evil intent uh, isn't quite there. Like you kind of think it's just copying uh, Natalie Portman's moves uh, or, or Lena's moves and and just kind of mimicking what she's doing. And and by accident that turns into like a fight. But I, I don't know. Like did did you feel like it was like attacking Lena? 
Yeah, it wasn't kind of cl- it wasn't clear who was initiating the attacking. Yeah. Um and that is kind of an open question even at the end of the movie. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um So yeah, Lena's clone then ignites and sets basically the whole lighthouse on fire and this giant fire then seems to dissolve the entire shimmer. Mhm. Um things start returning not entirely back to normal, but the, the shimmer seems to go away. So now we cut back to the framing story where Lena is being questioned by the guy in the hazmat suit, and Lena surmises that the shimmer wasn't intentionally destroying Earth, but merely doing what it does naturally, just kind of spreading itself and mutating, um, yeah. kind of that whole one cell divides into two, two to four type thing that she opened, that we opened the movie with. Uh... And she mentions that she didn't know if her clone was actually trying to fight her or if she was the one who initiated it. Yeah. She's told that Kane, her husband, recovered rapidly when the shimmer disappeared and she's allowed to visit him. And the final scene is her asking Kane, she's like, you're not Kane, are you? And he answers, I don't think so. Are you Lena? And then they hug and both of their eyes shimmer with that same kind of glow that the shimmer had. Meaning that, uh, yeah, what was your interpretation there? Are they actually, well, I mean, we know Kane isn't actually Kane, but is Lena Lena? Yeah, my interpretation was Kane, Kane was a clone, and the woman that we saw ignite with the phosphorus grenade was actually Lena. What? Really? And her clone was the one that made it out. Wow. But I don't know. It's a little bit open for interpretation there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and I th- there was as the movie went on, there was like some pattern that was emerging on Lena's ar- forearm. I thought, oh, good point. Mm-hmm. And I could have sworn that the one who was holding the grenade was the one with the pattern on the forearm. Wow, I'll have to go back and watch that. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I was I was wondering how they were going to tie that. Uh, yeah, that did seem really random. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that was kind of like the sign at the end, or the yeah. clue. Yeah. Um, I, I think one, uh, thing to call it though, like throughout this whole movie, um, is, and, and I think the big meaning behind the movie or whatever is, um, it, there's two kind of parallel storylines. Like, I mean, yeah, they're in the shimmer and all this stuff is happening, but throughout the movie you're seeing flashbacks to her and Kane's relationship. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, the, the affair that she has and like her kind of dealing with her own internal emotions about how she feels about it. Um, and, and then you have these characters who are, have like their own wounds or like uh, the weights that they're carrying around. So I feel like that's all kind of parallel to the story that we're watching unfold of like them and the and the Shimmer. Yeah, yeah. At one point, one of the characters mentions that everybody on this team that they sent in is like damaged goods, as she said. Like mm-hmm. one of them is a cutter, one of them, oh, I can't remember now. Um, they all have, I think one is a, an addict. They all have self-destructive habits. Yeah. Yep. Um, and at one point I think Lena asked Dr. Ventress, like, did my husband go in there like as a suicide mission? And she was like, it, it's not that, like, it's not suicidal. It's just self-destructive. Like, right. The same way you self-destructed your marriage. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, yeah, they try to make self-destruction a theme. Yeah, and and I think that's represented in this alien force that like has come and is annihilating. Where it's not like purposefully trying to like destroy everything, but 
it's like somehow uh, like inadvertently destroying things by like trying to I don't know copy it or, or refract it or something. I, I just feel like there's like a big uh, metaphor here about like the, you know what was going on in their personal lives between what was happening with this alien. Right, and she's saying like the shimmer wasn't at the end when Lena's being questioned. Like the shimmer wasn't intentionally destroying Earth, but just doing what it does naturally. Like, yeah, maybe the implication is that humans just just naturally, right, are self destructive. I think I think yeah, I think you nailed it, man. That's <laughs> that's that's what this whole movie is about. Like the how humans are, are naturally self destructive. But I also read something that was basically like, oh, this movie's about cancer. Because I, I didn't mention it because it was, like, barely even yeah. a point of the movie. But Dr. Ventress, it's revealed, like, halfway through the movie, has cancer. Yeah. Yep. Which may be part of the reason she's willing to go in there. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of strong ties. Like, I mean, you, you talked about the opening scene where they're looking at a cancer tumor. And then the whole idea of, like, things getting refracted and, um, you know, the DNA being changed around. I, I think that all ties to, like, cancer themes. Right, like out-of-control growth. Right, yeah. Like uh, abnormal out-of-control growth. Yeah, exactly. Right, that will like eventually lead to to uh, the cancer destroying its host, which the Shimmer could then destroy Earth. Right, yep. Yeah, um, just by slowly growing. Yeah, so which is it about, or is it about both? Yeah, I want to say it's, it's it's about both. Like uh, there's, there's the internal personal uh, relationship parallel and, and how people are within themselves. And then also like, yeah, that it just so happens to also mirror like the, the cancer cell thing. But it's interesting because, I mean, we just kind of talked about a movie that also, you know, hits on like a lot of elements and it leaves something open to interpretation. But yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, well, which one is it, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, I kind of feel like this movie suffers from what a lot of adapted screenplays suffer from, where they try to cram the concepts that were in a big novel into a two-hour movie, and it some of them end up lacking significance. Maybe. Maybe they did try to fill this one. It was, it was just kind of heavy. Are you talking about like all the flashbacks and all like the character background? Yeah, yeah, like... Um, these characters who are self-destructive, like we really barely know these f- five women who are sent into the Shimmer. Yeah. And the only reason like we know that they're self-destructive is because one of the characters came right out and like explained it to us. Uh, which one? Oh, yeah. I can't remember her name, but one of the women, there's a scene where they're all like kayaking and Lena and her in a mm-hmm. canoe together. And she's like, so we're all damaged goods here and explains yeah. it. Um, but I just didn't feel like we really had buy-in to those characters, or even much buy-in. Like, everyone was pretty cold and robotic in a lot of ways. Yeah. They are kind I, of like... I wasn't bought into the characters. Yeah, they were kind of, like, stereotyped. Like, you could basically, like, describe everyone in one line. You have, like, the tough, uh, you know, GI kind of, uh, you know, milita- military one, and then you got, like, the book-smart one, and then you got, like, kind of a softer one. I mean, yeah, there wasn't, like, that much depth, and... Maybe, I don't know, I think you're right. Anytime you take a big book, uh, especially that's part of a trilogy, and try to condense it into a movie, which even the movie was on the longer side, though, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I think it was about two hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they were trying to balance, like, what do we want to show more of? Like, do we just want to dive into Lena's character and her background and all that story and, and, and keep these characters more, uh, you know, as one-liner characters? Um, or, yeah, do we do that? I mean, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. 
Yeah, and I, I think I read that in the book, Lena is a pretty cold and calculating character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt that so was Dr. Ventress. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just didn't feel like there was much humanity to grab onto. And, like, this is a very sparse and cold atmosphere in this movie, a lot like Ex Machina. Yeah. Yep. Which I think really helped Ex Machina be what it was. Um, yeah. It just, I feel like um, the main character in Ex Machina was... Like the human element yeah. walking into this cold, sparse atmosphere. That's true. And there was more humanity in it to ground that movie to me. That's true. That's a really good point. That part was kind of missing in this one. There wasn't like anyone you were completely vested in and everyone was like really down or um, yeah, damaged, I guess. And that was kind of like yeah, the focus. And like, right. And one of the main characters has cancer and we don't know it until it's revealed to us. And it's just kind of revealed in that framing story, like yeah. the guy questioning Lena, it's just like, you knew she had cancer. <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, I had, I had, I had started to piece it together. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, um, there wasn't even, it, Dr. Ventress wasn't even in the scene where we find out that she has cancer. Right. Like it just kind of the emotional impact of what should have been a big reveal wasn't there for me yeah yeah you're right yeah everyone is really cold and distant and I, I i didn't like that that's one part i didn't like also was uh, the whole framing story because they use that setup so that from time to time in the movies if there's like an important plot point or something that the characters need to know they had this framing story where like they would throw in lines like that like oh you knew the whole time she had cancer oh you lied to them and it was just like it, it felt kind of cheesy how they were doing that um but or kind of like a cop-out like a cheap way of doing it by having this, like, framing story to narrate to some, like, extent where the holes were on the ex- on the, on the the normal plot line. Yeah, yeah, they they spelled things out a little too much. Like, they didn't really trust the viewer enough. <laughs> yeah, they had to create this, uh, <laughs> yeah, this, this, this story on top. Yeah, yeah, which they, I think they, they probably could have done without that framing story. I think so, yeah. I think I think it could have been a little better without it. Yeah. Um, so what do you think, uh, zero to five shimmer rockets shooting out of your mouth? <laughs> uh, I think I would, I would give this three and a half. I mean, I thought Natalie Portman, uh, acted really well. Um, and, and yeah, you're right. It was heavy, but, uh, you know, I, I think she was well cast in it and, and just like carried it. And then, um, I thought the special effects were done really well. And obviously I think the budget was put to good use here. And, uh, some of the monsters were like pretty scary looking, um, and I thought the story felt like pretty original and I loved all the layers of metaphors and, um, just say that, you know, tying to that whole human, uh, nature and what people do, you know, unintentionally to themselves and to the relationships they're in. And, uh, side note, cancer, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, side kind note, of, cancer is bad. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag cancer. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of cool how they use that story to tie to like all these different, uh, other meaning so i i I thought that was smart on their part um so i I would give it three and a half but yeah i I agree the the human element could have been amped up a little bit more what what about you what do you think yeah yeah i I give it a three for all those same reasons uh the visuals were really great um interesting concepts and yeah i i I do like the metaphor i just didn't always like how it was delivered yeah um the creature design on that bear was awesome that was like one of the coolest creatures we've seen since uh that monster in the ritual oh yeah right so uh yeah three solid movie yeah yeah and and you think uh worthy of its spot in the horror landscape 
Yeah, yeah. Fairy tale horror, in my opinion. You know, it's interesting. I saw this movie a year and a half, or no, a year ago, I guess. Um, and when I watched it, it didn't hit me as horror. I'm like, oh, this is a cool sci-fi movie. I'm glad I saw that. And then rewatching it now, and like, you know, being part of this club now, uh, or this podcast, and, and looking at it from the horror stuff, yeah, the horror element really jumped out to me a little bit more. And I think I enjoyed it a little yeah. bit more on the second watch. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's not as heavy-handed with the horror as... It's not a straight-up horror movie, but yeah. Yep. I think you can throw throw horror at it if you want to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, man, anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Cool. Well, that's it, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this discussion on Annihilation. Uh, and if you did, feel free to give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to our podcast. Um, and if you want to talk to us, let us know what you think about this movie. We encourage you to follow Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. Speaking of which, you can go to our website, horrormovieclub.com. There are a few written reviews on there that will, that section of the website will hopefully be slowly growing. Um, check facebook or twitter if you want to know what movie we're going to be talking about next week and our logo is done by amy may pop art check her out on etsy.com and until next time if you're headed into the shimmer you might want to plan ahead of time which animal you want your dna to merge with maybe pick your spirit animal ashwin what's your spirit animal a panda i think what about you <laughs> that, that makes so much sense <laughs> You got one? Uh, I don't know. Maybe some sort of a weird bird. Oh, like a penguin or something? Sure, penguin. <laughs>